What is going on, guys? And today I'm here with Nicole Luongo. We have a very special episode today. Today is March 25th, which means it's Cerebral Palsy Awareness Day. Now, I don't know if you guys know what CP is, but um, I'm thinking that Nicole and I could kind of go back and forth on this because we both have different types of CP. So for me, I have spastic hemiplegia cerebral palsy, which means I was born with uh, a lack of oxygen in my brain. So it impacts the right side of my body. So when I walk, I walk with a limp. I may drag my right foot. And uh, sometimes I might be limited in doing things physically. But that doesn't mean that as a person with a disability, we can't do things uh, as well as others. So Nicole, why don't you feel, do you feel like joining in? Yes. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast on this very special day, National Cerebral Palsy Awareness Day. I can't tell you how much it means to me to be able to talk to you, somebody else who has cerebral palsy. I have a different type of cerebral palsy than you do. I have spastic dysplasia, which is the most common type of cerebral palsy. And it just means that basically the lower half of my body is affected. So from my legs down. And like you said, cerebral palsy is caused either before birth, during birth or after birth. So, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything and neither are you, but we'll try to share some facts and sprinkle them in. But I think it's, I trying to remember if it's one in 500 births, now I can't remember the exact statistics, but cerebral palsy is the most common physical disability in childhood, period. It is. And um, I don't know how accurate this number is, but it affects one in 17 million in the world. Well, that is in the U.S. Over over 18 million now globally, globally have cerebral palsy. But in the U.S., I... I didn't come prepared with my numbers, but you know, maybe I could just do a quick Google search while we're on here on my phone and I can I can let you know. But yeah, it's shocking to me that cerebral palsy doesn't get the recognition it deserves. There's no federal funding for cerebral palsy. Adults like you and me were basically left to fend for, for ourselves. And I don't know about you, David, but I've been asking my friends this question. How many months of the year do you have cerebral palsy? Is it just in March? Uh, it's pretty much a full year, full yeah, calendar okay. year. Yeah, I thought. Yep. <laughs> so. Yep. It's it's unfortunate though that uh, all these different um, disabilities, uh, whether physical or developmental, get recognized. But when it comes to CP, it just kind of gets pushed aside. Yeah. And um, speaking about that. You yourself are a major disability advocate, and I've seen some of your work. Uh, For example, you, I think it was in 2019, you actually wrote a petition and shared it with, I guess, on Twitter with the President Biden in the White House to try to get the, the White House lit up. That was actually last year when I started that. I did it this year too, but I didn't, I really didn't focus on it this year because obviously they're not paying attention. So I kind of, if I'm the kind of person, if something's not working, I just move on, you know, because there's only so much you can do. But if people follow me on Twitter at green, the number four CP, they'll see my pin post from like January 25th, 
2021, where I tweeted the president and unbeknownst to me, somehow this thing, I, I don't know, it has over 66,000 views now. I don't, I, I don't know. I didn't, I don't know how that works. There's nothing I planned, but I just kept resharing it. And then I don't know. So it's still going, but I don't, I don't do a lot with it because I, I'd rather talk to people like you and, and not do things that I feel like we're, we're right. actually right. doing something, you know? Yeah. It's like, I, I do have, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I do have my friends at Wawos. We're all working on something. They, they have a campaign right now where they're doing the similar thing. They're trying to get the white house to light up. And coincidentally, David, did you see it on St. Patrick's day? The white house lit up in green. Yeah, I saw it after after you've tried to fight for it for so long, they finally did it. No, no, no. No, it was for St. Patrick's Day. They did it for the Irish people. What? Are you kidding me? Uh, listen, oh, we wow. love Irish people. Let's wow. just put it there. Let's yeah, just yeah. put it out there. Let's, right just, yeah, let's, let's leave it at leave it at that. <laughs> but hey, you know, uh, like, I, like I said, we're we're so underrepresented right now. It's like it's it's ridiculous, you know, and it's uh but it's up to us to come together and kind of unite and really just push that awareness out forward. Um, you are also an author and you're also the creator of what CP looks like. And I'd like to know, how did you come up with that? Okay, well, this is actually kind of a funny story. And you might know my friend Trevor Lane. I'm not sure if you guys are friends on social media. If you're not, you need to be no. because you guys both work out and you'd really like him and he'd really like you. Well, so Trevor now is I think 22 or 23. But when he was like 16, or maybe 17, it was quite a few years ago that I did this, but he would post videos of himself, just like you do, working out and doing different things. And I don't, I don't know why I was like, well, I'll just do a plank for Trevor and be like, Hey, Trevor, like here I am doing this, this plank. And I kid you not, literally, I was like either mid plank or I just was just shot the video for him just as a like, Hey, you know, joke, but kind of just, just having fun. That idea popped into my head. What CP looks like. I said, that's it. Because how many people do you talk to? Your friends, people we know in our community, our CP is not the same. We can have the same type and we don't, we, it's just not the same. We can, we can identify because there's certain things that are similar. And that just popped into my head. And anybody who knows me knows when I think of something, I run with it. And that's, that's what I did. I created a Facebook page with the same name. It's now gone because I was hacked last year and Facebook deleted my What Terrible Palsy Looks Like page. They also deleted my verified page because I did have one with a blue check mark. Yeah. So I just ran with it. I was like, hey, you know, I think this is something. It wasn't for me. It was a way to, I wanted to change the perceptions of how society viewed people with cerebral palsy. So I was like, well, if people use this hashtag and maybe we could all show the world, this is what CP looks like. David, mm -hmm. you are what CP looks like. Trevor, he's what CP looks like. We can name all sorts of people that we know and people in our community and, and 
you know, we're all what CP looks like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's to the eye of the beholder. Everybody, everybody's different. Everybody uh, acts differently towards situations. Everybody does things differently. And, and, but at the end of the day, we, we all accept each other regardless of what, how we do things. That's right. And that's, we, all we're asking for is for society to do the same thing and just give us a seat at the table. We'll take exactly. care of the rest. Just give us a seat. Exactly. And not, o- not only that, but, you know, give, give the recognition and the, uh, for, for, so for someone that deserves it, you know, the, the recognition of what they accomplish, what they come up with. And, and as much as I hate to bring this up, please give credit to those who, who deserve it. Oh, yes. Yes. We, that's very important just with anybody. I don't care if you have a disability or not. Creators of any, you know, it could be content cre- creation. It could be writing because I've had a lot of my articles that have been stolen it could be, you know, music, anything that somebody comes up with in their mind and their work and they put it out there, you know, give them credit for it and come up with your own stuff because you're just as creative too. You don't have to take somebody else's material or creation. And plus, I think it's better to be unique anyway, don't you, David? Yes, I do think it's better to be unique and to be be, be yourself, you know, and, and if you are going to use a uh, material that belongs to someone, ask permission. And if they, yeah. they agree with you, then go ahead. If not, don't, don't just blatantly take it. Well, you know, I don't know if you've seen this, but I have in, in our community, some people, and it doesn't have to be our community, but I mean, that's where I am a lot of the time. Some people just, they think, well, it's okay. If it's not anything that's on the internet that you see, you can just take it. And it really doesn't really doesn't work that way. I mean, some things are really against the law that you can't do. Even, but even if something's not illegal, it still doesn't mean it's right. Right, right. So, you know, it's a little complex, but I do appreciate people like you and other people that I collaborate with where we're like, hey, we we like to support each other. We like to say like, don't you don't, don't you have bracelets that you that you sell? Like we like to say, hey, this is my friend David, and he sells his bracelet, and this is where you can get it. And you know, I have a book, so you say, well, if you're interested in Nicole's book, this is where you can get. We just like to put it out there and support each other because we know how hard it is to. Well, let's put let's say it. We I don't make any money for all the advocacy work I do. Right. So it's, it's difficult. It's, it's very, very difficult. You know, there's yeah. times where we get, we can get a break and, and make something. And there's times where we, mm-hmm. most of the time it's, it's, uh, it's the a, it's a labor of love, but most of the time, yeah. I don't know about you, but for me to do advocacy and stuff on what I do with the podcast, I do it because I'm passionate about it and I love what I do. And I love meeting the people that I, that I meet every single time. And mm-hmm. it's all, it's all worth it. I, like I just said, it's a labor of love. Absolutely. I've been, I've been doing this now for well over nine years. I mean, at least nine, because it's going to be my selective dorsal rhizotomy surgery, nine year anniversary on the wow. 29th of this month. Congratulations. So I, thank you. So I have been educating people even before I went into the operating room about the surgery, because I was upset that 
most people don't know about it. So, you know, but I think before we, before you transition, if you're going to talk about something else, I think you mentioned 2019 because you wanted to make people aware of the lightings that I did in that year. Yes. Would you like me to talk about that? Yes, go ahead. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So again, I'm just one of these people that ideas will pop into my head and, and I was kind of going through, I was going through a lot because my mother died in January of 2017. And I just needed something to honestly to do. I needed something positive to do. And in, let's see, October of 2018, I was responsible for getting the Seattle Great Wheel to light up for CP. That was the only lighting that I had ever looked into. And I had to get a sponsor for that one because they charged for that. And I teamed up with a local organization in Seattle and they paid the fee. And so after that, I just said, well, maybe I could try to get more. I had no experience, had no idea what I was doing. I spent the next six months of my life pretty much 24-7 researching, sending emails. I mean, you, you can't imagine because I got over 100 lightings. Wow. In 48 states. That, that is incredible. On, on two different days of the year. On March 25th, which is National Cerebral Palsy Awareness Day in the United States. And on October 6th, which is World CP Day. So in addition to those lightings, I also had lightings in three different countries for, for the World CP Day lighting. lighting. So, and all that information, if people go to my website, nicolawongo.com, David will have it all in the show notes. There's a tab, Go Green for CP, and you can literally run down all the states and see wherever you live. Maybe there was one close to you, or I actually had all 50, David, but two states dropped. Because <sighs> I had to make sure, I tried to make sure I had two in each state because if something happened or really one of one of them it was really interesting the guy responsible for the lighting he actually had cerebral palsy it was one of those freak things he forgot about it oh. and i would email these people constantly like so it wasn't like you know but what can i do and it wasn't something i planned like i didn't go into it saying oh i'm gonna be the first person ever to get you know, because no one's ever done it. I'm I'm the only person who's ever done it. And I don't work for a nonprofit. Nobody paid me. But that wasn't what I was. It just snowballed. Because within 30 days, I had lightings in 30 states. I believe that's how it So I knew something bigger was going on in the universe. That's why right. I said, well, let's keep going. Go, go ahead. Going back to your, uh, you said you, you had your, what is it, your your uh, fifth anniversary, no, was it your fifth anniversary for your daughter's Flores Autumn or your? It's coming up on the ninth anniversary. Um... Not ninth anniversary. Yeah. Believe it believe it or not, I had a rhizotomy, but mine was 20, mine was 25 years ago this year. Oh my God, congratulations. Yep, so I, I had my surgery early, early when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was about 
two and a half months shy of 40 when I had mine. So that was a big deal because really, well, Dr. Park pioneered his technique. He's, he's world renowned for selective dorsal rosatomy, but he's pretty much, as far as I know, there maybe there's one or two other, you know, surgeon and, and everybody's great. However, Dr. Park is the best. I will say that nobody, nobody will operate on people my age. They won't, they can't, they, they, they won't do it. He's pretty much the only one. And because he had such great success with patients like myself and other patients, you know, in a certain age category, now the cutoff date for people who, who meet the candidacy requirements is 50 years old. When I had my surgery, the cutoff date was 40. And I was like, oh my God, I'm 39. Like, is this going to be a problem? And they're like, no, because once they saw that I was a candidate, they're like, no, you're, you know, you're, you're okay. So, so to kind of um, educate our listeners, what is a, so like dorsal rosotomy? All right. Let's see. The way to explain selective dorsal rosotomy surgery is it's a surgery that they go in and it's, they perform surgery on your back and they test the nerve roots that are causing the problem. We all know spasticity is the problem for, for cerebral palsy. Spasticity caused, causes all the tightness that we experience. And they test these nerve roots and then they see which ones are misfiring, so to speak. And I think Dr. Park cuts two, thir- two thirds of them. So they zap, they literally zap them, they cut them, they zap them, whatever they do. And Dr. Park, if you have surgery with Dr. Park, there's a very high percentage, you know, chance, like in my case, that you won't have any spasticity anymore. And I don't. Now that doesn't mean I don't have cerebral palsy. And it doesn't mean that I don't have challenges associated with cerebral palsy, because there's no cure. And I always tell people that because that's important to remind people. But in the words of Dr. Park, when he evaluated me, he said, and I believe this is pretty much a direct quote, you'll be be able to do more with less effort. So people can watch my YouTube videos. You can see how I walk before, how I walk now. It's like night and day. And that wasn't something I expected because they can't, they really can't predict that. Like you have to go through the rehab, you know, it's going to affect everybody differently. And it's just, the transformation was unbelievable. So, and that's why I started, right. That's why I started the article for the Huffington Post. When, see, I was in Dr. Park's group. He has a group on Facebook. Now there's, I don't even know how many hundred thousand or whatever people in it. And I started reading all these messages, you know, people saying, yeah, I never heard of it either, like for their children or at one after another, after another, after another, that they stumbled on this information. So I said, that's not acceptable. <laughs> I think that this should be widely known so that parents, if they wanted to look into it, they could, but you can't look into something you don't know anything about. So I was trying to get published by HuffPost and couldn't figure out how to get them to you know, read my emails or whatever. (laughs) So I said, well, I'm going to message Ariana Huffington on Facebook. And that's what I did. She answered me back. I cried. And the rest is history. She said, we'd love to have you because at that time they had a contributor network. 
they don't have it anymore. So I do have like four articles over there, but that article, it's still changing people's lives today. And, and it was published back in 2014. And people write to me and they say, I had the surgery because of you. My child had this. It's crazy. I mean, in a good way. It's the most it's, gratifying thing. Yeah, it's, it's incredible what the power of, of, um, of an article or something my post on social media does for you. Like, for example, for me, I, I had graduated uh, from UCF in 2016. Now, I had a moment that made it into, into that practically made, for, for me, it was a little bit of history. I kind of left the legacy there. So for me, it happened on the day of graduation. Um, I was set to walk up on stage to get my, my diploma. And they, they'd asked me, do you want to go up the stairs? Or do you want to go up the ramp? And I told them, you know what? I waited 17 long years to this moment. Um, I lost my mom throughout the process, you know, my biological mom early on in life. And I'm doing this not for, not for, not just for my family, not for, for my mom, but for me, because I, I went through all these trials and tribulations and, um, I went up the, up the steps um, and you could barely hear a cricket. Like you could, you could barely hear the crowd going, going off at all. And as soon as I lifted the, the cane up in the air, that place erupted. And I mean, for like a good five minutes, I just stood there just looking at the, looking at the crowd and, and trying to keep my, my emotions. And, and the, the, uh, the department chair was trying to whisper to me, you know, congratulations. And then come two weeks later, my friend tags me on the UCF on the UCF page on the comment section. Everybody's talking about me, you know, about the that part of the cane, and that made it into the UCF commencement commercial, and it's been there ever since. That's a beautiful story. Can I ask you a question to just turn the tables on you a little bit because this this is a subject that we also hear in our community. Now that you're a little bit older, do do you feel in any way that that contributed to what is known as inspiration porn in some way um i mean it, it, it did in some ways but honestly um i don't want people to you know to consider me or both of us as inspirations for the most part but just people that want to contribute uh right. something towards society you that's know? right because i don't care like if you know, whatever gets out there, we really can't control if it's labeled, you know, whatever. But like what I like to say is, you know what? First of all, David, you and I are inspirational just as people. So if people want to say that we are great. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I definitely, yes. you know, definitely. Yeah, for sure. But I have friends who say to me, which I understand, like, like, you know, oh, if they go to the grocery store, they're inspirational because they're they're getting groceries at the store, which is so ridiculous. See that that is that is something I I completely agree with with you is or, or I don't know if you've gone as far as to have somebody approach you, and they'll be like, can I can I say can I pray for you? Can I pray for your healing? You know, it's like uh, I'm no, I've had people tell me that. So you've had that happen to you? Oh yeah, m multiple times. It's so awkward. How do you, it's never happened to me. So 
how do you feel that happens and what do you do? I, I just, I just tell him, you know, I, I appreciate your kindness and your generosity, but, but when it comes to CP, there's nothing you can't really do. You know, I mean, I appreciate you trying to be kind and thinking that it can get better and I could be fully healed. But to be honest with you, it's. It, well, that's yeah. a very nice response, because I think if it happened to me, you know, more than once, I, I might be a little like, OK, I have to find a way to um, maybe get people to, to understand a little bit. I would still be probably nice, too. But yeah, that's the other thing. What is wrong with us having cerebral palsy? We we can't, I didn't ask to have cerebral palsy. You didn't ask to have cerebral palsy. We were born with it. There's nothing we can, there's nothing we can do. We, we choose to live our lives the best way that we know how. And we also have cerebral palsy. So uh, it's kind of, to me, now that I'm, I like to say I'm old now. I'm not, I don't feel, but I'm going to be 49. But, you know, it's like, how, how, how long is it going to take for the needle to move just a little bit? Just a little bit. It, it's, we're not in like some kind of, uh, we don't have a rare disease. I mean, I could better understand it if, if it was rare. And it's not a disease. I didn't mean to use that terminology, but what cerebral palsy is not rare. So it's not like a lot of people don't have it because it is the most common physical disability in childhood, but it's not portrayed in the media really ever, unless you're a cute little kid. And, you know, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm famously quoted as saying like children with CP grow up to be adults with CP. Our stories deserve to be told too. So what, why aren't people understanding that you, David, you were five at some point and now you're older now it's just like a kid any other child with a disability or no disability at all they grew up to be adults so if we have a lifelong condition it would stand to reason that we would need help with that condition just like any other condition that somebody would have for the rest of their life right um Speaking about growing up, how, how was it for you growing up? Did you, did you struggle with any bullying? Did you find it um, kind of easy to navigate? No, I, I was the youngest of 11 children. So that in and of itself was really dysfunctional. I mean, to be quite honest with you, very dysfunctional household. I... I had heel cord lengthening surgery, I think when I was four and a half. So I didn't walk on flat feet until I was five. So I, I walked on my tiptoes and I would put my hands in my siblings' shoes and my parents' shoes and I would walk around the house. I think uh -huh. at, that, at that young age, I had, I don't know, some kind of mindset. I was like, you know what? I can't do it the traditional way. So I'm going to do it my way. And that's still what I'm doing now as I'm talking to you. We find ways to do whatever whatever we want to do. I didn't know anybody with cerebral palsy. I don't know if you did growing up, but I didn't know anybody. I think there may have been one girl at my middle school now that I think back of how she walked, but I didn't have, I didn't have friends who were disabled. I was very, people liked me and you know, all that, but I was teased and it wasn't fun. 
um, that part of it. And like the worst, David, was PE. Oh yeah, definitely PE. Oh. Especially, let me let me tell you, especially in, in high school, I wanted to partake in a lot of the you know normal activities as kids, but due to you know me being in the school and safety. Um, and, and, and God bless my coach. God bless my, my PE coach. Cause she was, she was incredible. I mean, she would literally like take the time to help me, you know, learn how to walk better and, and help me stretch and do different activities. But the one activity I did not like the most, which is probably the one that I kind of regret doing was there were days where I'd sit in front of the TV and play Wii, you know, we, the Wii, play the Wii fit and stuff. I mean, it, it was fun. But it wasn't like being being around kids, you know, outside playing sports. And then wait a second, are you saying that while your classmates were outside, you were inside playing Wii? No, with the, with the coach, like the rest of the kids got to do the normal activities, you know. For gym. why couldn't you? I guess safety reasons. I don't, reasons, mean, I don't mean I don't mean you. I mean, did they actually say we don't want you to go out and participate? In oh no! Oh no! At the at the time, they had to find a ways to kind of adapt me into the class because it was required for senior year. Right. So that was the only way they could do it, you know. And oh. so, I mean, like I said, you know, my coach, my coach is awesome, yeah. and she, I still keep in touch with her to this day. And she, <laughs> she used to um compete. We in need the, more people like that. Yeah, she used to she used to compete in the transplant games for uh, the Special Olympics. So she used to coach and things like that. So she knows all about. Yeah. Well, in my case, David, in my case, what I mean about, because I, I, I'm a very active person physically. And I, 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 if I didn't have cerebral palsy, I'm telling you, I would have been some kind of maybe a tennis player or maybe I like the in the Olympics where they run the really fast one. It's short and fast. It's like they get it over with and it's really fast. What is it? The hundred meter or whatever it is. Uh Yeah. I couldn't stand dodgeball you know why because nobody wants a slow person on their team okay so that's what i'm saying when you're and i rem- i remember that when you do like you know um baseball or whatever you're playing i would have people you know pinch run for me because i felt like i think i've always felt bad that like maybe i knew in the back of my mind i'm gonna ruin the game not like I actually said that to myself, but I know that I'm going to slow everybody else down, you know, and it's kind of, it's hard, you know, when, when you want to participate, but also, do you remember, did, do you remember when they would have um, patrols? With the, uh, the safety patrol, yeah, safety patrol. Yeah, okay, I wanted to be a patrol, and they told me, like, I think they told me I was too small, and I couldn't protect my voice. Well, I got the job, David. Because I was like, let me, listen, I can do this thing and I got it. I, I don't really remember what I did to get it. But I know that like one day, one of my friends, because you literally have to stop people. Like if they're going out the wrong door, you like blow a whistle or you yell really loud. Hey, you can't go, you know. And I think one of my friends one day, like I got caught one of my friends and I'm like, you can't, that's the rule. Like it doesn't matter that they know me or whatever. I got the orange thing on. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't violate whatever the rule is. So, yeah. Did you, uh, I don't know about you, but looking back, do you feel like um, a sense of, or did, did you feel like when you're trying to, when you were making friends, like you, you mentioned how 
a lot of your friends weren't didn't have disabilities. Now, now, did you feel kind of, in a sense, awkward when you first started making friends with disabilities? Because I honestly, I mean, this is this is me. Like, I, I felt a little shy at first meeting somebody with a disability, just like me, because I wasn't sure how we were gonna mesh. You know, how we were gonna come together and like make things work. And then as I got old, but as I got older, I started to realize, you know, they're just like me. It's just they have a different yeah. disability. But I, I kind of felt really, really shy. Like I was like, what am I supposed to do with hanging out with them? Like right. I, okay, well, shy is not in my vocabulary. <laughs> so I'm yeah, I'm a we're different in that respect where I'm an extrovert. So basically, like I just told one of my friends, I met a friend of mine that who I've known for like almost 30 years last night. And I'm like, he knows I pretty much came out of the womb talking like anyone who ever meets me. I'm just friendly. And I don't even think that I had that awareness that I was pretty much the only one with a disability. It just, I guess I was just so used to it that, you know, and I just talked to people and I was very smart. I was in like advanced classes and in high school, I was in advanced placement Spanish. So I had a different, well, except remedial math, because I think that's where the CP zaps, like that part of my brain. Oh, yeah, and math for me, it was horrible. Yeah, too. Like almost every person with CP that I talk to, I'm like, is math a problem? And like, they usually say that, that it is. Not that it's everybody, but I think there's a common you know, thing there. So I, I think I just, I love people. I love meeting people, but it was more of the, physical part because look you're talking to me now no you nobody would know that I have cerebral palsy they wouldn't know but once you see me walk less so now because of the surgery but before it really slapped you in the face you I couldn't hide it even if not that I'm saying I would have wanted to but sometimes yeah obviously as kids you want to blend in you don't want everybody staring at you know you nobody really wants that but I couldn't that's not something that I could change. So that's where all the teasing came in and, you know, things like that. And that it's, I love school too. So the place that I love to go was also the place that uh, I was teased. Yep. That's how I saw it. It would usually be, you go to school, you think everything's okay. Next thing you know, you have one or two kids trying, trying to, trying to mess with you, you know, but um yeah. And sometimes, sometimes the school may do something about it. Sometimes it'll just be like, hey, little, jo hey, little Johnny, stop, stop messing with uh, so-and-so and leave him alone and go sit on the other side of the room. And But that, that wasn't the, that's not the case, you know? Yeah. Well, back then, I mean, they didn't have all that stuff that they have now, uh, to my yeah. knowledge. I mean, all this I technology. Even, well, not even that, but like when I went to, when I went to college, I had no clue that there could have been accommodations that I could have asked for. I didn't even know. And I didn't, I don't need accommodations for learning, but let's just say uh, my first two years, I went to college at Seattle university and then I moved back home to South Florida, but David, the amount of stairs <laughs> and stairs are okay for me as long as I'm holding on, but you got to race from one class to another, depending on how much time you have and, even in high school, I felt like I was like a linebacker going through the, put my hand out because I was small. So I was like, listen, I knew I got to get through 
these people to get to my next class. So I just like put my hand out, like I'm coming through. <laughs> Cause you know, if you don't want to be late, you get in trouble for being late. I used to, I used to be really, really funny. And, and, and when I was in school that when they used to stare at me, I used to be like, Hey, you like, you, you, you like what you see? Come, come on, talk, come on, talk to me. What's, what's up? What's up? You know, like we can, we can, we can talk this out. You know, we can be friends. It's, it's, you know, you did can, anybody ever give you a second look like, cause they didn't want to expect you to say that. Yeah. Some of them were like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm like, well, you're staring at me. What do you, what more do you want me to, to ask you? Obviously you're interested, you know? So let me ask you this because we both have similar experiences. What, what would you say to people you know, if you could, if we could go back to that time and say to young people that, you know, we knew to bridge the gap because yes, we know that we may look different in a lot of cases. We know that it's, everybody wants to focus on, because when you see, we all do it. You see something different, you look, you're like, oh, what's, what's that over there? But how do you bridge that from hey, yes, maybe the person talks differently or maybe they walk differently or maybe they use a mobility aid or whatever, but they're just people too. So they might be really cool. Like David's really cool. So like they're missing out by not, by not even just, you know, trying to just say hi to you and see see what kind of person you are. And the thing that I tell people is, once, once you, st- uh, once, like, for example, they stare at me, like, once you stare at me and I interact with you, I promise you that when we have the interaction we'll have in some way, shape or form down the line, down the road, I will change your life for good. David, I mean, do you feel like, do you feel pressured in that way? Cause I never did. I, I was just myself, but I hope that you don't feel like you have to change their life because you're the person with a disability and that's going to be the only reason why they talk to you because that's not true. You're awesome. Just exactly. And, and not, not only not, my soapbox, but I had to say that. No, no worries. And not, not only not, it's not so much the disability aspect of it. It's more of like the personality part of it. Like, you know, I I've met people when I was a kid that were, that were bullies. And eventually once they got to meet me personally, and get to know me, they got to see beyond the disability, beyond the CP, and they got to they got to know who I am. Funny you said that because I will say, which I forgot, but you just reminded me. When I was growing up, people just they would say, like, look, we don't see your cerebral palsy. We don't, and I I that was I like that personally. I know now people might say that's ableism or whatever. I, I don't see it in, in, in exactly that way for that topic. I do, ableism is very valid, but what I'm saying is they they saw me as a person. So I've ha- people have told me that we don't even notice the way you are because they just they just know, they know me as a person. You know, but but for me, uh, this, is, this is my opinion, but for me, it's like, I, I, I appreciate you seeing me for who I am but I want you to see all of me, including the cerebral palsy. I mean, because that's a part of me too. Yeah, that's I agree with you. I'm saying that in that context, when they said that, 
well, let's just say society wasn't aware as we are now, because this is going way, way back, you know, and I, I have somewhat of a privileged situation. I mean, I do have cerebral palsy, but I can also use my hands. My speech is not affected. I'm completely mobile. I can take care of myself. So a lot of people with our same disability can't do those things. And I, I recognize that. So for me, really the way I like to say it now, I basically consider myself in two different worlds. I'm able-bodied pretty much, pretty much. I mean, like I, I used to really consider myself, I knew I had a disability, but for all purposes, I was able-bodied. I did everything. I just also had a disability, but now, I'm like, it kind of feels like I have one foot in the able-bodied world and one foot in the disabled community because that's where I advocate. And I, I have so many friends like you and we we try to raise the consciousness on many different things with regard to how people with disabilities have a very difficult time finding employment. Oh, yeah. They, you know, there's so there's so many different issues that it's not just about I have CP or I have this or I have that. There's real challenges that go beyond whatever the physical symptoms might be, the mental symptoms or all that. There's, you know what I'm saying? There's very real challenges that affect people's ability to earn a living wage, earn a wage period. Equity, equality, there's so much, so much. But uh, if I could say this one thing to those out there with a disability is that you are more than willing, if you can, to work. Don't necessarily um, think of your, uh, if, you're, if you're able to use your arms or your legs or one arm and one leg, or even even your even your even your even your mouth or your feet, there's still a way for you to contribute, or your mind. There's still a way for you to contribute to mm -hmm. society. Don't think that employers yeah. are not going to employ you because they, they will in some way, shape, or form. But they don't. They but don't. They don't, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's why, that's why, what do people like us do? We start podcasts, we make our own merchandise, you know, we a lot of my friends, you included, become entrepreneurs. They they make their own way. I I see it time and time again. There's people that I really would like you to, to get in contact with. That's why I've been telling you about one of the other communities that I'm in because I know you would really flourish over there. So they, they tell me, they say, well, Nicole, like, you know, I just started my own thing because they couldn't, they couldn't get anywhere the traditional way. And you know what, David, that's sad because these are people who are, they have so much to contribute and they just felt like they were hitting, you know, a brick wall every time. So they, they went another way. I mean, it's, there's validity in both, on both sides, you know, it just, it's hard. It's, it's, hard a, because, it's a great area. So well, let's put it this way. The more severe that your disability is, the, the harder, harder it is for you to function. Have, the harder time you're going to have because employers look at you and they go, can I use you as an example? Yeah, go, go ahead. By all means. Okay, well, 
Uh, well, here's David coming in. There's an, he's going in for an interview. I think he's he has limited use of of is it your left side? The the right side. Right side. Well, okay. So the right side. So maybe that's visible to them, and they see that, and they might think, oh well. And this has happened to some of my friends. They they think, oh well, they don't get the job because the employer might think, well, what if the person falls, or what if this, and what if that? And it's so ridiculous because. Yeah, you have to be aware of people's limitations, but don't count them out completely just because you don't know how to handle somebody who is completely, let's say, able-bodied. Because you're missing out. Employers are missing out. Right. It's it's uh, it's like if I can go way back to the first job I try I tried to apply for. Um, it was a job at a call center and. You know, you know how call centers work. You have to answer the phone and you have to type. Now, I had to take the typing test. And guess guess who was out of luck? This guy. Because I can only type with this hand. And they're like, oh, you got to type out 40 words a minute. And I kept typing. I kept trying. I got frustrated. I even told, I even told the person who gave me the test. I'm like, is there a way to get for me to accom- get accommodations? And they're, like, you. Yeah, no. they're, they're like, no, they're like, no, you have to be able to do it. And a specific amount of time. There's no way. So uh, that didn't work, but that's where I found the route to education. And I got into assisted teaching and then eventually to. Down what? That's where I got into education. And then I went into into assistant teaching and then I became a lead for three different teams for for the schools and and, the city of Orlando. And then I became a youth advocate for the city now. So. You can't beat that. Aren't you glad you really, maybe, you know, I think it's a blessing that you didn't pass the typing test. Oh, yeah. And then believe me, we all. I'm not minimizing it. I'm just saying that hopefully people see that you. Yeah, exactly. You didn't give up. I mean, yes, I, I can imagine that it was hurtful to you. But listen, there's two types of people in this world. You're either going to stay down when you're down are you going to pick yourself up and you're going to keep going? And David's one of those people. I happen to be one of those people too. Now we're not saying it's easy. We're not saying that. I have a lot of days where I don't feel very well. And I'm like, do I want to keep doing this? It's hard. Advocacy work is, is a grind. I mean, you're basically doing it alone. Yeah. We have a community. We love our community. We're part of our community. We're friends, but for me, day in and day out, it's, I'm, I'm behind my computer trying to educate, trying to help people as much as I can. It's a very lonely kind of thing to do, but it's very fulfilling. That's why obviously I keep doing it. But you know, if anybody takes anything away from our conversation today, let it be what David said earlier, that if you have a disability, and we keep repeating this because we, we see a theme in the people that sometimes that we meet. And I think some of them think, well, David, you have a podcast, but I can't do that. Why? Why can't you? Whoever you are that's listening and you might say, well, you can't do that. Why? Because you know what? There could have been a time when David thought he couldn't do it either. But he figured it out. Oh, yeah. It took me it took me several attempts to get the podcast up and running and perfect. You know, not, nothing in life is is just perfect that when you open out of the out of the box you know some, sometimes it could just... i didn't even know that story david's never shared that story with me i just figured he you know he fig- he i knew he figured it out somehow 
But he just said it didn't, he had to like, there's steps to it. But what if in the beginning he said, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not going to keep doing it. We wouldn't be sitting here today having this conversation. Oh yeah. I almost, um, there was at one point where I, where I would look at my, my, uh, well, the original podcast I began and I was like, this has no sense of direction, no niche. Where am I taking this? Because it's going all over the place. And eventually with things that are really disorganized, you won't be able to find a way to get it moving forward. And eventually it became stagnant. So I was like, let me throw everything in the, in the, in the, and the recycling. You started from scratch? You started over? And I started over. So I went, (laughs) I went through, I went through everything. So what I did was I saved all the episodes that I thought meant something for the podcast that I I thought I was going to start. And I started uploading those. And eventually from there, I started uploading new, new episodes. So instead of just because I had on the previous podcast, I had, so I had advocacy, I had fitness, I had product reviews, and I had miscellaneous all on the podcast, all in one spot. So I was like, this is not going to work because I'm, I have so much content, so many different things, but it's not focusing on the one thing I want to focus on. So I told myself, Either you focus on advocacy or product reviews, or what do you, what do you want to do? So I said I just throw everything in the uh, you know in the, in the trash and then just start all over. So that's what I do now is just uh, I tell my story and then I open it up to others so they can share their journeys and it's it's worked tremendously so far as far as getting people out there. And, and I bet it's easier because you're focusing on what you what really matters to you and you're not your attention is not divided on let's say more miscellaneous aspects. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of those other things, but now you're more focused and you're able to, you know, really get down to what matters. Right. And um, as far as you, what, what, um, what kind of projects have you embarked on besides the, the, the lightings <laughs> and things like that? <laughs> How much time do you have, David? I'm always doing something. Oh, well, yeah, but I meant in the grand scheme of the universe, because uh, I'm always doing something. Well, you know, you actually led me to one of my most recent things that's going to be coming up soon. I'm going to be featured in the Orlando Voyager magazine. It's a digital magazine. So my story is going to be in there. They interviewed me for for that magazine. I'm going to be sometime in the future interviewed in Stylist Magazine, which is a digital magazine in the UK. They're, they wanted to talk to disabled women who work out. So anybody who knows me knows that's right in my wheelhouse <laughs> because I'm always working out, except right now because I have an injury to this thumb. So I'm trying to just, I'm not doing anything because I don't know if I would, if I would make it worse. I chose not to pursue the lightings after 2019 because it's a ton of work, more work than people would ever, ever imagine it being. And, you know, I I knew I wouldn't enjoy it if I kept doing it because it literally, it's a full-time thing and you have to be committed to it. And I want, I knew like, it's like, once you do something already, it's like, well, I've done that. Let's, 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 if other people want to pick it up, 
there's doesn't there's no stopping anybody who living in any state or any city or hey you want to get your city hall to light up write to them you want to get just that's what i was trying to do to motivate people hey this is what i'm doing it doesn't mean i'm the only person who's capable of doing this it just means that what i did took off and i i kept with it Uh, then i well i participated in last year there was a change.org petition that was Basically, my tweet to the president was the impetus for that. I'm not involved in that project anymore, but it started because of me. And within like two months, we had, I don't know, something crazy, like 45,000 signatures. It was wild, wild. We, we don't know how that happened, but we're grateful to everybody. And you can still sign it if, if, if anybody wants to, but I... Speaking of bullied, that's actually what happened to me with the people who I thought were friends of mine. That's why I'm no longer involved in that. And speaking Um, of speaking about projects, you've also collabed with Maurice Bernard, right? Oh, I'm like, I know, I forgot. (laughs) Thank you. I'm like, wait, yes, for I was gonna. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Okay, so that's why I'm wearing this shirt because Maurice Bernard is a three-time now, I think, Emmy Award-winning actor, the star of General Hospital. He's played the character of Sonny Corinthos for 28 years now. And I've been in love with him for like 35 years. And I know I don't look old enough, but I started watching General Hospital when I was like 15 or whatever. But the story is great because So Dave and I have been talking that cerebral palsy doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. And another thing that I have tried to do over the years, because what I want to see is national attention. That's why I do the lightings. I don't care about buildings. I'm not into architecture. None of that matters to me. I just figured you have to do something so big for our disability to get any attention. So I thought, well, you can't get any bigger than this. Like 48 states, all these, you know, some of them were, were um, how do I say, landmark buildings, football stadiums. I mean, really big, you know, buildings that people would recognize. And like, so I thought, okay, the national media, they should want to cover this. And they couldn't, I couldn't get any attention because I don't know anybody. I tried, I don't know anybody in the media. So I also wanted the national, the morning shows, they should be announcing this like they announce every other national day that has nothing to do with a cause so it really makes me angry so I tweet them and I try and nothing ever happens and sometimes I will I'll tweet celebrities too and Maurice only takes one he's the only one because he he's he communicates with his fans he retweets his fans he loves his fans so I said to myself in the back of my mind, one day I wrote this post and I said, I don't know what, like I said, ideas just, they just come into my head and I just do it, whatever. And I, I have the time I'm like, this is nothing's going to happen. Like, like really, Nicole, <laughs> you know, like, you, and I said, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, so I write this thing and I say like March is the 25th and Please wear green. I kept asking him to wear green and something told me to put in the post, will you come on my podcast? 
Because at that time, I was the host of a podcast. It wasn't my podcast. I was involved with it. I was the host. Some of you guys might know me from doing part of that work. He saw it. His assistant contacted me and said, Maurice would love to come on your podcast to help raise awareness for cerebral palsy. And I thought I, I was like, I, I believed it, but I was, I think I was almost in tears because I mean, Maurice does not know anybody with cerebral palsy. Maurice, of all the people, there's, you know, there's so many other people that our community, we know and actors or they have CP or they, but how do I say this nicely? The people who do the work to get the word out about our disability and raising awareness and things like that, you're looking at two of them and neither of us are famous and we're not celebrities. That's just the truth. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, sh a shame, you know, how, how money can be sometimes the root of all evil, you know? What do you mean? You know how you know how you know you have you have money and then you know you're you have status and so myself yeah. coming from a small town it's very difficult for me to get things out there and can right now like you and I are networking so it's about who you know and then what can you do with the with the you know with that person right. I can that's, that's the funny thing because now but Maurice he he set up this interview. And they said, okay, you have 30 minutes. He fell in love with me. He let me talk to him for an hour. The guy's incredible. He's just, he's just incredible. And, but now I think people think that I actually know Maurice. No, I don't know Maurice. I interviewed Maurice. He, he knows who I am, but I can't call Maurice. I don't have Maurice's phone number. Like a strange thing happens once you're, you interview a celebrity or, if yeah, a celebrity right. you, people just kind of think, and I'm like, look, Maurice is a great guy. He agreed to talk to me and he raised awareness, but it's not like I got I have, oh, let me call Maurice. No. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like a people tell me, oh, you know, you know Gregory Iron? Oh, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> or Marshall Zachary, you know, uh, if I if I know them personally, and I'm like, I don't know them what personally. What does Marshall do? I'm familiar with Mar Gregory. Mar Marshall is a Paralympic. A runner. He ran in Tokyo this year for the Olympic Games. Oh, maybe I do. Yes, he's on your. I, I, I was following. Yeah, okay. I introduced you now, but yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, so people, people. Yeah, but okay, me. but you're, but you're not telling the whole story. You actually do know Gregory personally, and you could. Yeah, I now know him personally. <laughs> now we now we now talk like we we're like we're practically buddy buddies. So if we need any, right. like we'll just message each other. So. Right. And the funny part is that Maurice actually, uh, I shared something in my stories and he actually replied to it, which he never does because he's so busy. He'll just reshare, you know, what you do. And when I interviewed him, he had just interviewed Jessica Fru on his show, State of Mind, which is a phenomenal show on YouTube, centering around mental health because Maurice has bipolar and he was institutionalized twice in his life, very young age. So he does a lot of awareness. He's, he's won so many awards. He's just, he's changing everything with respect to how people look at mental health and all that. But when he talked to me, he had just interviewed Jessica Fru, who also has cerebral palsy, but 
Jessica, very different than me. She uses her eyes to communicate. Uh, it's this technology. It's like fascinating. And she's in a wheelchair and she can't speak. So when he met me, he actually said, if anybody goes and watches part one, because there's two parts to it, they're both fantastic. I'm not saying so just because I'm the host, but they people were like, <laughs> they were like, Nicole, it looked like you, you've known him your whole life. I said, I know that's how fantastic the whole thing was, but I digress. So at one point he said to me, he was like, but how does it affect you? He goes, because you look perfect. Because in his mind, he couldn't, you know what I mean? He couldn't grapple with, here I am talking to him. I don't look like I have any, let's say, limitations. So the way I explained it to Maurice is that just like him with bipolar, and sometimes he, he, he has you know, anxiety, well, he, he went through a really bad time with anxiety through the pandemic. So I told him that with cerebral palsy, there's misfiring going from the brain to your right, body. Right. It's the same thing with him. It's just a different. So he kind of, it kind of clicked there. You know, I kind of tried to, because he doesn't know what it feels like to be in my body or your body. And I don't know what it feels like to have a manic episode or anything like that. So, yeah. So, so what's, um as far as like, what we do with our advocacy work and cerebral palsy, what is, what are some things you can kind of give our listeners to uh, bring some encouragement or to kind of take away from uh, what we talked about today? Well, I think it goes back to the overall theme of our talk today, which is we are trying to bring awareness to our disability, but particularly the month of March, because the whole month is Cerebral Palsy Awareness Month in the United States. And there's a whole day, March 25th, that is National Cerebral Palsy Awareness Day. And for some reason, those two things just don't get announced in the media. So we're trying to do it ourselves to try to get traction for that. But the, the words of encouragement that I would say would be to anybody who has a disability. It doesn't have to be cerebral palsy. It could be anything. David and I, I think I can speak for him and he'll jump in here if I'm, if I'm saying something that, you know, it, he disagrees with or he agrees with. We want you to know that you have so much to offer the world, whatever it is. And you might have to, you might have to share your gifts differently and that's okay. Like David with the typing test, if he went to take that typing test now, he should be able to get accommodations for it. And if not, he could fight for those. That's a whole other right. thing. Right. But, but if he wanted to do something that involved typing, and ironically, he does now because he has to type for his podcast and do all that stuff. He's got to do it, you know, so he gets to do it his own way. But don't, don't, I guess don't, don't set yourself short. Is that, you know what I mean? Don't. Uh, I would agree. Don't set yourself short, you know. Your, poten just, your potential is limitless. You know, you can, you can yeah. do anything you can put your mind to. I mean, because, and, it, and I always tell people, because I think maybe they, they might think, for an example, well, Nicole, I, I don't, I don't want to get buildings to light up. You don't have to. 
Well, Nicole, I don't want to start a podcast. You don't have to. Well, Nicole, I don't want to write a blog because I have a website and I write articles. You do not advocacy. If you want to advocate, it's up to you. It's up to you. You can do whatever you want. If you don't want to advocate, you don't have to do that either. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, basically it's what you can do, you know, and what you want to do, not what you can't do, you know. But like like you said earlier, there's no can't in the vocabulary in our vocabulary. You have to keep pushing forward, and you have to you have to find you have to. I, as I said in one of the podcasts that previously last year, improvise, adapt, and overcome. That's that's perfect. And and really, really, you have to have confidence in yourself. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. You can read books, you can listen to podcasts, you can find mentors, whether it's maybe you have, you know, it could be a parent, it could be a teacher, like David said, one of his teachers, it can be people like us, people in the community we're all there. We're all doing this together. We all want to support each other, but it all starts with you. It starts with your mindset exactly. and how you think about yourself. Do, do you think I actually thought that I was going to get a hundred buildings to light up? No, I was just like, well, let me just try this idea. Let's see what happens. You know, maybe I can raise awareness. And you know what? If I didn't do that, it still would have been okay. If I got one state, five states, 10 states, 50, it's, it was all okay. Right. I mean, I mean, you, you actually went out there and and did your best and, and it got pretty, it got really far. It got really far. All, All it takes is you for you to try. Trying never hurts. Yeah. Well, I do know this about myself. I have one of my superpowers is basically I just don't give up. Most most people, the roadblocks that I encountered with the lightnings, they never would have continued. Never. The amount of emails that I had to send, the amount of follow-up, the amount of... I had to research literally buildings and contact real estate companies to to find out who owned the building because you had to find... It's, it was wild. It was wild. But if I would have said to myself, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who owns this building. I don't know how to find that out. I don't know. I don't live in, I I don't live in 48 different states, David. I I can't be at a hundred lightings at the same time. I can't, I don't know all the people that I was communicating with personally, but I I had to find a way because how else was I going to there? You know, you have to just be willing. You have to be willing to do the work. And if you're not, that's okay too. But realize that you're limiting yourself by, I don't want to use the word, well, giving up. I mean, that, we're not saying that you got to stick with everything. There are times when I give up on stuff all the time, if it's not right or you know, it's, it's, it's past its point or whatever. So we're not saying that we're just saying, don't feel like because you have a disability that you can't go after whatever your dreams and goals are. 
Exactly. Because if we can do it, so can you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something exactly. I have. That's something I keep on my bracelet here, which you can't guys can't really see, but it's one of my mottos that I keep with me all the time. And what does it say? I know I can't see it, but what does it say on there? Did you put it all on there? It's yep. It says if I can do it, so can you. It's a, but it's a hashtag oh, okay. as well. So so I use it on everything. Oh. If I can do it, so, so can you. So can you. Yep. Well, that's perfect. So, Nicole, where can we find more about you? Like I said, David will put everything in the in the information. The easiest way is just to go to my website, nicolawango.com. That's my name. N-I-C-O-L-E-L-U-O-N-G as in George O dot com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at green, the number four CP. And on Instagram, I am at what CP looks like. And hey, guys, please use the hashtag, you know, just take pictures Very of your doing things that you're doing, whatever you want to show, show the world what what's going on in your world with cerebral palsy. We want to we want to know we want to see what you're doing. So yeah, show your support. Um, and like he said, if you if you want something to happen in your community, try and uh, try your best just to just write anybody, reach out to your to your local local um, government, to your legislators, to anybody stations. in your community, anybody, new stations, anybody. All that stuff, yeah. Look, my motto is, I'm trying to think, what is it now? Because I repeat it so often, but if you, if you, basically, if you never try, the answer will always be no. Yeah, so I, I would, you know, yeah. I would definitely go for it. Go for it. Yep. Just go for just go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for being on the show. It was fun. It was fun. Thank you, David. And and you guys, um, you're you're gonna be able to see this episode uh go up uh the, the same day. So right when we get off the air, it's gonna be available for you to see and to share. And I hope that our conversation can bring light to you as far as what CP looks like, because what CP looks like, you're looking at it right on your screen. So I hope you guys enjoyed this show and take care.